If you're an early stage Black founder, keep listening to learn how to survive your first 24 months as a startup entrepreneur. This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. I'm speaking with Fernanda Cabral, who is the co-founder of Jassy Africa, which invests in African tech-enabled startups and ecosystem builders by providing world-class expertise, operational support, and access to a global network to help these startups build the future of Africa. In this episode, we discuss how Jassy Africa is empowering African and Afro-descendant founders and supporting entrepreneurship ecosystem builders, how he's working to change the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Portugal for Black founders through the Afropreneur Initiative, and how to survive your first 24 months as a Black founder. Fernando, welcome to the WTF Podcast. Thank you, Michelle. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure having you. So tell us, what is Jassy Africa and what's the problem that it's solving? Jassy Africa, let me start with our mission. Our mission is really to empower innovation in the African continent. And we do that in different ways. So it's quite difficult to label Jassy Africa because we do so many things. But the approach that we follow is a very holistic approach to innovation in Africa. So we work with startup. That's the main drive of what we do. I would like to call us venture builders in that space because that's really what we love to do. We love to build products, solutions, find new ways to solve existing problems on the continent and not only on the continent. So we work with startups. We do that venture building work. We invest in startups as well. But the main drive of the work that we do with startups is venture building. We work as well with ecosystem builders. As part of the work that we do, we believe that We can't just build startups. We need to build the right environments for these startups to scale and really to deliver impact because this is about impact. It's not about building startups, right? This is about building solutions and build impact for the continent. So we work with these ecosystem builders at different levels. We support them, we invest in them, and we make sure that the same way we have good startups, we have good supporting ecosystem builders as well. That's another part of what we do. We work with governments as well, mainly around policy to influence and to make sure that we have robust policy frameworks to to support the entire ecosystem, because that's quite important. And of course, we work with the private sector, development organizations as well. So as you can see, the work is quite wide. I like the term that you use, venture building. If you were to give a quick and easy definition for venture building, what would you say that is? Venture building is all about identify potential ideas or good ideas, understand the problem that they're solving, and then build all the infrastructure around that to make sure that this business grow. Product is only one side of it. Usually people look a lot of the product. What is the product that you have? What is the product that you're building? Of course, product is important, but it's also about the business model. It's also about the team that you're building. It's all about your financials, right? So we bring all those pieces together, and that's what we call venture building. And one important thing as well, Michelle, is the management side. We can't forget that we're talking about businesses. These businesses need to be managed because they have operations, they have all that. So it's not only about product, 
and a lot of venture builders focus only on the product side, is the entire infrastructure required to build and scale these businesses. Where do you target the venture building support Jassy Africa provides? Are there specific countries or markets in which you work? Yeah, so the focus is Sub-Saharan Africa, because when we talk about Africa, it's not only one market, right? Different markets. So we start with that, Sub-Saharan Africa. And within the Sub-Saharan Africa, we are, especially in the last two years, we've been focusing a lot on Lusophone Africa for many reasons, right? You have what we call the mainstream Africa, South Africa, Nigeria, Ethiopia, and so on, right? The Anglophone Africa, right? You have the Francophone Africa coming up, Senegal, Côte d'Ivoire, etc. And then you have Lusophone Africa. Sometimes people forget that Africa has five countries that speak Portuguese. And most of the times, uh, these countries are out of the equation. So we've been focusing a lot on those five countries, Angola, Mozambique, Cape Verde, really to bring these ecosystems as well up to speed and to be part of this innovation narrative on the continent. So just to say that Sub-Saharan Africa is our focus, but we've been giving a special attention to Lusophone Africa. So we know that less than 1% of Black founders are included in the startup ecosystem in Portugal. Let's talk about an initiative that you've started called Afropreneurs. And I think that's how we initially connected last year, I believe, and had a chance of meeting in person while I was in Portugal last summer. What is this initiative doing to address that problem? Actually, Michelle, I would like to start by saying that I wish we didn't have this initiative, right? I wish we didn't have to talk about 1% of Black founders included in the Portuguese ecosystem. But if you look at the numbers, it's not only in Portugal, right, Michelle? If you look across Europe, there's not a consensus around the number, the exact number, but we know it's less than one. It's not only Portugal. We're just using Portugal as a case study, as a starting point for the work that we have to do. But we know that it's less than 1%. So let me tell you a little bit how this started. As I mentioned before, Jassy Africa focus is Africa, right? And people have been asking us, but why now you're, you're doing some work in Europe? It's important to clarify this, Michelle. We can't talk about innovation in Africa without talking about the African diaspora. And African diaspora is across the world. And if we think about how can we empower this innovation agenda in Africa, how we can capture resources, We can't forget the diaspora. So when we talk about black founders across the world, we're talking pretty much about the African diaspora. We can't do the work that we do at Jassy Africa without looking at that diaspora. As part of that agenda, because we're based in London, in UK, of course, we're part of the European ecosystem. So we've been around, we travel across Europe, we've been involved in the UK ecosystem, so we know what's happening for family reasons. We end up spending some time in Portugal as well. And we noticed that in all the different events that were happening, all the startup events, conference, the number of Black founders were was like minimum. If minimum, and I think I'm being optimistic, right? So we start asking around, so what's happening? Where are the Black founders in Portugal? Where can we see Black-led startups? You know, how, where can we see data to support this? And everybody was saying, no, there's no data. We don't know the number. We don't know where they are. 
some people saying, especially investors saying, well, there's a pipeline issue. There's supply, but there's no demand. We don't see them. We hear we have the funds, but they don't come. We say, but look, but we need to have some data to support this. We look around, Michelle, and we couldn't find any data. And of course, the work that Jassy Africa does is not really research, right? But we say, look, but for us to do the work that we need to do, we need data, right? Because these need to be, we need to have an objective approach. So we start looking around. So we took a sample of around 1,500 founders in Portugal. We took this sample and we just looked, what is the number of black founders in this population, right? Because there's no official data. And the number that we came up with is 0.8%. It's not even 1%, Michelle. 0.8%. And we say, look, and the question is not, there's not black founders or black-led startups or companies in Portugal. The question is, they're not included in the official ecosystem. They exist, but they're not part of the ecosystem. And the next question was, who they are? where they are, because we know that they exist, who they are, where they are, where are the issues or challenges that are facing? they are facing, how can we support them, Michelle? And to do that, of course, we need data. So that's why we, need to come, we decided to come up with the Afropreneurs Initiative, really to first gather that data, to make sure that we had that data to support the work that we have to do. And then after that, you come up with recommendations, a roadmap to start bringing this Black founders to the to the front line of these ecosystems. So besides finding out that only 0.8% number, what other important data was surfaced in that research and what's the roadmap that you've put together based on yeah. data collected? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, the black founders are there. One interesting thing that we found is that if you look at the, the incubators and accelerators, you don't find black founders there. And when we talk about pipeline... Why is that, Fernando, that you don't find them in these incubators and accelerators? That, that's an interesting question in that you don't find anyone with a very specific answer on that. Our perspective is because in these programs itself, you don't see representation. When you look at the mentors, the programs, other peers like peer founders, even investors, you don't see you don't see black people there. So I think representation is one thing, and I think is is as well the lack of knowledge of these supporting infrastructures for the journey, right? And there's a lot of work to be done there, Michelle. So there there are many reasons we don't have one answer, but we see different flavors of that. So what's the Jassy solution? We're part of the solution, Michelle. Okay. We don't like to say that the solution will come from Jassy Africa only. We're part of the solution. And as part of this entrepreneur's agenda, we're doing a lot of work on bringing the ecosystem together, right? We don't want this only to be Jassy Africa trying to do something, right? So we're bringing this data to the forefront, but we're bringing this data to sparkle those important conversations, right? So the entire ecosystem has a role to play. Our role, Jassy Africa, of course, is to bring the data. That's very important. To bring the right context, because that is not only about data, it's about the context around the data, right? It's to bring that context. It's to bring the right players together to have 
the right conversations based on very specific and objective pain points that we're finding. And of course, as part of our JASI Africa agenda, we come up as well with programs, look at investment opportunities as well for those Black founders and try to bring them as well to the forefront. But it's very important to say that it's not only JASI Africa, we need the entire ecosystem to look at this problem. But of course, we will do our part. Absolutely. So tell me about the part of the equation that JASI Africa is addressing in terms of opportunities and programs. Yeah, one of the key findings from the report is the lack of investment literacy, the lack of startup literacy. A lot of these Black founders don't know what is a startup. They don't know, they want to raise funds, but they don't have that investment literacy. They don't know what products, what instruments, what is the best way? Should we go to VC? Should we go to Angel? Should we bootstrap family and friends, crowdfunding? Many different options, right? And this is one of the angles that we want to address, Michelle, that literacy component to make sure that these Black founders understand the game. Before you play the game, you need to understand the game. And that makes a huge difference. And Michelle, let me ask you something, and I know probably your answer. Do we really want to see these Black founders playing the game without understanding the game? No. Because if... Better learn the rules of the game so you can win. You You can play the game without knowing the rules. You'll just be spinning your wheels and you're certainly not going to be successful. So understanding the rules of the game are keys to success. A hundred percent, Michelle. That's exactly what we try to address, right? To make sure that these Black founders understand the rules of the game so they can take advantage of the game. So they can play the game with fair rules. It's all about leveling the playing field. Because their competitors understand the rules of the game. They have more support for understanding the rules of the game and have people supporting them in the game. I guess like American football, I don't know the rules of that game very well, but I think you need people to block so that they don't get to the quarterback. (laughs) So if you've got no one blocking for you, just Mm -hmm. keep getting sacked. And it means you can't run the ball into the end zone. Mm -hmm. I hope I said that. All the football people, I don't really know. (laughs) And even things like having the right coaches, right, Michelle? Having the right strategy for the game. So that's one, one part that Jassy wants to play. We want to play that part, really to make sure that these Black founders understand the game, understand the rules of the game, and then they can play the game. That's the first bit. The second bit, more complex, right, is to make sure that the ecosystem is ready for these Black founders. And when we talk about Black founders, we need to talk about Black investors. The next question is, how much funding goes to these Black LPs? Black GPs, sorry. We also know that number is smaller in comparison as well. Yeah, that's part of the problem, Michelle, right? Because even if we prepare these founders for the game, when they go in front of an audience that don't understand their problem statements, they don't relate with them, it's more difficult for them to fund their businesses, right? So if we want more diversity when it comes to capital and investment, we need to have more diversity in investors as well, right? So that's part of the equation as well. And actually in Portugal, Michelle, as part of this study, we didn't find any Black-led fund or organization. So the diversity challenge starts you know, in the players that are funding these businesses. 
So that's another part of the equation. Of course, Jassy Africa, we want to be part of that as well in the investment side. But as I mentioned before, we can't do it by ourselves. So we need the entire ecosystem to be part of the solution. Can I backtrack a little and ask you, how are you disseminating the data that's come out of your research for entrepreneurs? We have a roadmap for that and we have a roadshow as well, Michelle. We don't want to put just a report out there, right? Of course, we're going to put it on social media or website. We're going to launch a specific website with the report. We'll promote it in our social media channels. But we want to do more than that, Michelle. When I talk about roadshow, we want to go to schools not only in Portugal, across Europe. We want to go to conferences, right? We, go, we want to go to the TV. We want to go to radio stations. We, go, we want to be in the news. We want to be talking about this. So as part of our roadmap, is not only launch a report and I say, here it is, please read it. No, we want to create an awareness campaign around the report. So we want to spend this year, 2023, raising that awareness around that data and once again, to make sure that we're having the right conversations, Michelle, supported by the right data. No, that's important to get the information out. Awareness building is the first step. And after you've become aware now, the question is, so what? What are you going to do about it? We know that surviving the first 24 months in business as an entrepreneur is hard but probably even harder for Black startups, whether in Africa or in the diaspora. And for part of the reasons that you mentioned before, maybe not knowing so well the rules of the games, not having champions or those refs, if we're using game analogies, to make the right calls for you. So what must they do differently than other startups to survive that period? Once again, Michelle, just the fact that we're asking what they should do different shows the size of this problem. Because in a fair game, they shouldn't do anything different. They should just play the game and benefit from the game as anyone else. But the reality is we know it's different, Michelle. And we need to have these conversations, right? We need to normalize these conversations. The more we talk about it, the more we own the data, the more we will own the narrative, right? Let's just focus on the Black-led startups outside Africa in the diaspora. It's very difficult for them to go through that valley of death, that period. A lot of them are bootstrapping, but it's not sustainable because you can't go that far if you don't have that generational wealth. And we need to talk about that. People don't have money to start. You have to first have the money to start and and access to that friends and family. Support access to investors. Yeah. Michelle, let me ask, let me put it this way, Michelle. We need to go back, as you mentioned, to understand this. Even questions like, to which schools these Black founders are going. We know these alumni networks are very important, Michelle. If you go to Ivy League, if you go to Harvard or Stanford, right, the probability of you having 50, 100 peers or friends that can have some capital to support your business is higher than if you don't go to those places. So we need to go back there. So the lack of relevant networks is another huge challenge for these Black founders. So when, you, when we talk about surviving the first 24 months, it's exactly that, to make sure that they have the right supporting networks for that journey. And it's not only investors, Michelle. It's about find the right mentors, find the right programs, find the right people 
to build these startups, co-founders to build these startups. And relatability is a problem, right? So just to say that, yeah, that's the main thing. And I think the work that we have to do together is really to play in that level, that playing field, Michelle, and making sure that these black founders have the right supporting system be part of this game. Otherwise, most of them won't survive that value of death, which is before the 24 months, Michelle. So with that said, Fernando, how should they fundraise differently? Because we already established that they're playing a little bit of a different game, right? Mm. Starting from behind, they're still learning the game. They're a little bit maybe out of their depth because of their level of knowledge and where they're coming from in the game. So what must they do differently to when they're out there fundraising? Because they don't have, as you mentioned, the those connections, whether from mm-hmm. alumni, from your school, access to investors, whether at the angel level or otherwise, how do they fundraise differently to survive yeah. this period? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right, Michelle? And I'm going to share some tips on that. One key tip can be really connect with other successful Black founders out there, because we know there's some successful Black founders there out there. there. We yeah. know They are there. there. We know there. them. Yeah. Very successful. Very successful, right? So I think one way is really to connect with those successful Black founders and understand their journeys. It's not only talk, we, we can't only talk about connecting to investors, Michelle. They need to connect with other founders. They need to connect with other people that are facing the same challenges, right? It doesn't have to be another Black founder. It might be another diverse founder, right? It doesn't have to be Black on Black thing. It can be another diverse diverse founder. It can be another woman that is facing the same challenges, right? Because there are funds out there with this diversity issue, right? It's more difficult to find, but they are out there, right? So connecting with other successful founders when it comes to fundraising, they can understand a little bit the journey and the path to get there and start tapping into those networks, right? So I think that's number one thing. Before you go on to number two, Fernando, is this something that Jassy can help in terms of creating the space for people to be able to connect? Because sometimes you're like, how do I get access to these people? Access is important. I know they're out there. I see the articles in Forbes or wherever that these people are out there. I'm in Portugal or wherever I am in the diaspora. How do I get connected to these people? And I know we can use LinkedIn and all of these things, but sometimes it's hard making connections versus being put in in a situation or an environment where it makes it a little bit easier to bring people together and connect them. No, definitely, Michelle. And that's something that we've been doing because we all have a role to play in this equation. And our role, Jassy Africa, because we have access to specific tables, right? And we are sitting in those tables really to, to create this pathway for these Black founders and these Black investors that are coming, right? So definitely something that we're doing and we want to do more, Michelle, create these environments where not only with other Black investors or other Black founders, anyone that is interested in this equality agenda. So definitely we want to create those spaces and make sure that those spaces are sustained on positive values, right? This is about innovation. This is about progress. This is about building together. This is about equality. That's the message. And we've been finding a lot of champions in this space. 
And it's all about bringing these champions and creating these spaces where we can we can connect and share, grow together. That's definitely part of our mission, Michelle, definitely. So what are some other suggestions? So one is to connect with other successful founders. What's another one? Another one, I'll be a little bit tough on this one, work hard. It's tough out there, right? It's work hard. Michelle, it's really do the homework. There's and no maybe, excuses. Fernando, it's not just enough to work hard. It's probably more about working smart. And working smart means having access to the right information. You don't know what you don't know until someone puts you on game. Exactly. So we are in 2023. I've been speaking with some founders, fundraising, and asked them, with how many investors, how many meetings did you have? And some of them say, oh, I had five. I said, well, five in the last day or last two days. No, five in the last month or two months. No, it's not enough. You need to be out there. You need to connect with people. And meetings doesn't mean just meetings with investors, Michelle. Meetings with other founders, meetings with ecosystem players, meeting with anyone that can make that connection or something like that. So just to say, Michelle, of course, everything that we're talking about, the, we need to create the environment, the infrastructure. But it's important as well for these Black founders out there fundraising you know, to do that homework. It's 2023. There's no excuses because when, you know, if you do your homework, if you're ready and when opportunity comes, you're ready for that. The worst thing you want to happen is that the opportunity comes, but you're not ready for that opportunity. So I would say, yeah, work hard, work smart and do that hustling. I think mindset is also important when you're approaching fundraising in terms of how you see yourself and what you have to offer. I had a guest on this season. The season that's streaming now, I think episode four, season six, talking about when he realized that he was fundraising incorrectly in terms of his approach. He said something profound. He said, I made the mistake of assuming that because something is important to me, it's important to everybody else without really being specific in terms of communicating the value of the thing that you're trying to build or create or put into the world to the person on the other side who has the purse strings. You have to be able to communicate that value to them. What are you getting out of it? And understanding that you, the entrepreneur, you're the asset, you're the moneymaker, and you are presenting that investor with an opportunity to make money. So your approach and your mindset, how you approach the game is also very important. For sure, Michelle, 100%. That's super key. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap up, Fernando, what fuels you and gives you hope to continue pushing these initiatives along? The key word is purpose, Michelle. This is my purpose. I'm blessed to find this purpose, Michelle. I'm blessed to think about this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it's all about the purpose. It's a beautiful purpose, Michelle. The impact comes at many levels. And I would say that is this belief that we can build a more sustained world, is this belief that we can create a better world for our kids. I think that's really what drives me. And the belief that we can make a difference and the belief that it doesn't have to be huge, we can work what we have. It doesn't have to be huge. If we use the resources that we have and we apply them in the right place, right time, with the right people, Michelle, we can make a huge difference. And that's really what drives me. And see the impact of my small contribution, because it's small. But for me, it's huge because that's my contribution. And the chance to inspire 
other people to contribute as well with what they have, with the resources they have, right? If all of us contribute to what we have, whatever that is, I think we can make an impact in this world, Michelle. So that's really what drives me. Thank you so much for that. Fernando, tell the listeners where they can get access to that Afropreneur data, where to find it, where to learn more about Jassy Africa, and where to follow you on social. Yeah, so I would say LinkedIn is the best channel to connect with me or with my team. The report through, and you can have access to the report with the links and all that. You will see a specific link for the website where you can download the report and you will be able to see as well the video, the promo material, all that. So LinkedIn is our main channel to connect. And I can also drop a link to the data in the show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this interesting conversation. It's important for us to have more conversations like this one because we need to create this new narrative and we need to talk about this and we need to create this this community of champions that are pushing this agenda forward. So thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure and looking forward to our next chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. To my listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't keep good content to yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know by rating, reviewing, and sharing this episode with three friends. Subscribe to the podcast at its home on the Alive Podcast Network. Follow the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and more to get notified when new episodes drop. To be a guest or sponsor the podcast, email wheresthefunding at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at wheresthefunding underscore podcast and follow me, your host, Michelle J. McKenzie and the show page on LinkedIn. Join me next Friday for another episode.